Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. You know, I believe that relationships are beautiful, but they require hard work. If you want to be lazy, do not get in a relationship. If you want to be selfish, do not get married. And everybody said, you know, Pastor Amrith and I, we're celebrating our 10th wedding anniversary. For all of you who said we wouldn't last, take that. We're here, baby. And so we're celebrated. (laughs) And a big lesson we've learned in our 10 years of experience is this. People fall in love by chance, but stay in love by choice. It's a choice that we need to make every single day. And today, to build on that, I want to share a scripture from Genesis 29 about someone named Jacob and a character named Rachel who fell in love with this story. Jacob, if you're familiar with the scriptures, he's later renamed as Israel, literally the name of God's country. And so let's read in Genesis 29, verse 16. It says, Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. So she was Beautiful form and appearance, which in the scripture basically means she had a good face and a good body. Or as the kids would say, girl, did you just fall from a vending machine? Because you're looking like a snack. (laughs) That's just like my Bible translation. (laughs) And so they're falling in love in the story. Verse 18, now Jacob loved Rachel. This is love at first sight. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger Daughter, I love this scripture because this is maybe the first appearance in the scriptures of a love marriage as opposed to an arranged marriage. And coincidentally, this is the plot for most Bollywood movies. And so this is a love marriage in the scripture in verse 19. And Laban said, this is Rachel's father. It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to another man. Stay with me. And this is probably the most romantic verse in all of the scriptures. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Isn't that romantic? Ah, just let out your, ah. It's so romantic. He served seven years for her, and they only seemed like a few short days because he had this great affection and love. And it reminds me of this quote that's often attributed to Albert Einstein. It says, put your hand on a hot stove for a minute, and it seems like an hour. Sit with a pretty girl for an hour, and it seems like a minute. That's relativity. (laughs) Jacob works for these seven years. He's doing this crazy act of affection and service because he caught feels for her. In our early days of falling in love, don't we do some pretty crazy things? I remember when Amritha and I first fell in like and then fell in love. We had all these generous ways of showing our affection, gratitude, and our fondness for one another. I remember one day I built her a blog, and I fixed her car with super glue. And you know what? It felt like nothing to me. (laughs) 
It was just my radical love and generosity. Before we were even dating, Amritha would show up to the hotel where I worked front desk, and she would make me chicken parmesan just because of the love and feelings in her heart. And she won my heart that way, through my belly, through chicken parmesan. And it's amazing. We're willing to endure and pour out because we're in love. And even as we were dating and we were about to get engaged, I I told Amritha, hey, on Tuesday nights or something like this, I'm going to start hanging out with my friend. I just need some guy time. So for about two months, we're just going to hang out, whatever. And she said, okay. But little did she know, I was going to this guy's house because he had a studio. And in that time, I learned how to play mandolin. And I wrote a song for her because I was going to propose to her. And in that song, it was going to be the first time I ever said, I love you. And it felt like nothing because I was so excited to learn an instrument. I was so excited to write a song and record the song because of my great feelings for her. Would you like to hear this song that I wrote to propose to her with? All right, let's play this song. I still mean it, honey. <laughs> and so we do these radical things when we're first falling in love, but what happens as the years go on, as you hit 10 years in your marriage, as you endure through a pandemic or you're in a relationship and you start to meet the other person's family and you get in these fights, the, the love starts to fade. The sparks stop. The romance seems so distant. And uh, it's a wild thing. Even in the scriptures, we see Jacob works all these years. But look at what happens in literally the next chapter in Genesis 30. It says, Rachel said to Jacob, give me children or else I'm going to die. Then Jacob became angry with Rachel. And so <laughs> the dynamic of the relationship changes, amen? <laughs> and you'll see when kids get involved, the dynamic changes. And, and suddenly you're... Just co managers of a household. You're just co parenting. You're hardly talking to each other. You're not doing the things that made you fall in love anymore, and the romance is dead. So, what do we do when we've realized that some of the romance and the spark of our relationships have faded? Well, from this story, I, I have really gleaned three lessons that I want to share today. And uh, the first one I want to share is this from this scripture. We fall in love when we give our best, 
but fall out of love when we give our worst. It's much harder to stay in love than fall in love, so we must make the choice to maintain what we found by chance. I can't tell you the exact day I fell in love with Amritha. I can't even tell you the exact day I fell in love with Jesus. For me, it's a lot like being potty trained. I can't tell you the exact day I got potty trained, but with 90% certainty, I can tell you I am potty trained. (laughs) When do you fall in love with someone? Yes, these intense moments of engagement and weddings are important, but sometimes we need and we lean on something more than intensity, and it's the beauty of consistency. When do you fall in love with someone? It's when you realize all of the accumulation of all these small things have added up into this feeling state, this idea, and this commitment of love. Remember when you first started to get in that relationship? You would call someone in the morning before you even looked at your cell phone. You would say hello. When someone had a bad day, you would listen without inserting your bad day. You would make chicken parmesan for one another. I remember Amritha and I, we would leave from church and we had these different houses, but there was this one intersection where we would see each other and have a simple wave. And we would both speed to this intersection in Colorado Springs and wait just for a moment where we could simply make eye contact and wave to each other. It's all these conversations. It's all these sweet ideas of gratitude. It's the handwritten letters. It's the making time for one another. It's making plans with someone else, but then they say, hey, do you want to go to this concert? And you cancel. It's realizing they're interested in a TV show. So you catch up on that dumb show called Gilmore Girls so you can maintain a conversation. It's all these little things that add up, the small things that don't look like much. They don't seem like they matter. But over days and months and years, you wake up one day and you realize, I'm in love. I've caught feelings. This person is important to me. And in the story of Jacob, we see that Jacob worked. He fell in love with Rachel, but he also worked for seven years so that he could marry her. And in this story, I believe that we see Jacob do consistently what a lot of us have chosen to do occasionally. And that is work for our partner and all the small things. Let's back up in this story in Genesis 29 and verse 9. It says, now while Jacob was still speaking with them, so this is about to be the first time he ever lays eyes on Rachel. Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And so he sees her for the first time, and I think it's cool that she's a shepherdess as a girl, and in the New Testament, the word for pastor is shepherd. So you could say this is the first instance of a female pastor in the scriptures, but this isn't a sermon about female pastors, isn't it? Uh, No, it's not. It's about relationships, but I thought I would throw that in there. Don't get me started on Priscilla and Aquila in the book of Acts or Junia. Sorry, okay. This isn't a sermon about that. But he sees the shepherdess. And then in verse 10, And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. A little cultural context here is there's this well 
It's covered by a stone. The stone keeps it so stuff doesn't fall in there, like sheep or debris, things like that. And the tradition of this day is all of the shepherds, all of the sheep would gather around this well, and nobody would open the stone, open the well up until everybody could access it. So they'd be waiting there for minutes, hours, for everybody to gather. Well, Jacob, he sees Rachel. They haven't even met yet. And he says, I am going to open this stone up for her. And I have not even met her, but I am going to bring water for all of her sheep. It's a great first impression because great relationships do consistently what others do occasionally. And so uh, I think this is crazy because, so they haven't even met yet, but Jacob is serving her. And this is kind of a contrast to what Amritha preached last week from Genesis 24, because when Isaac and Rebekah met, the whole beginning of their relationship was Rebekah serving Isaac by providing water for the camels. But now Jacob is providing water for Rachel's sheep. It's these small acts of service that build up to this marriage, and then it leads up to the seven years of work. And if you've lost the spark in your relationship, I just want to ask you, what small things, what small acts of service have you stopped doing? What little things have you stopped doing? What moments have you forgotten? I mean, I'm thinking about the early days of our relationship. I used to open the door for Amrita every time we got into the car. I think we lost that around year two in our marriage. <laughs> it's like, you can open your own door. We used to do all these crazy adventures. Now, I think as the years go on, we kind of do our separate adventures. We have found our own shows because trying to find a show that we agree on is a nightmare. Anybody say amen with me? And so instead of watching a show I like or watching a show she likes, We kind of compromise and watch a show we both hate. It's like, why are we watching Gilmore Girls again? Let's just stop this. But what small thing for your partner do you need to start doing every day? Because I believe the consistency of this kind of love might bring that spark back. Maybe it's a back rub. Maybe it's a a daily check-in. Hey, how are you really doing today? Maybe it's uh, just something like that. And uh, yes, I believe that We need to be consistent in the small things, but we also need some radical acts of love to take us out of the rut, break us out of routine, so that we can have that crazy feeling in love. The second thing I see in this story is this. If you want to feel crazy in love, do something crazy. If you don't go crazy every once in a while, you'll go crazy. I totally believe that. And so Jacob, he sees Rachel... He hasn't met her. He's bringing water to all of these sheep. He rolls away this stone, probably inconveniencing a lot of other people. Why are you cutting in line? But then the story gets a little bit weird and emotional and a little bit stalkerish. Genesis 29, verse 11. Then Jacob kissed Rachel. They haven't even talked yet in this story. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. And so Jacob kisses Rachel, no introduction or anything, and he starts weeping and raising his voice. He's like, Rachel, I love you, Rachel. I'm so glad you're here. 
I just got, I just left my household. My brother Esau, he's hairy. He's not with me anymore, though. We're twins. But I'm, I'm on my own, my own, and I found this well, and I started to feel, I'm in a glass cage of emotion. I'm, I'm your blood relative. I love you. <laughs> we should get married. I'm seriously related to your dad. Very closely. I, I don't know why this is right in the Bible, but it is. The best way to find a, a new relationship, family reunion, keep it in the family. <laughs> Not making fun of the scriptures. That's just the reality. So how does Ra- Rachel respond to this? How would you respond to this? Verse 12. So she ran and told her father. <laughs> Fair enough, Rachel. And, and to be honest, I, I can't blame her. If someone approached me like this, I, I, I would do something. And so she goes and runs to Laban, which is the same person who was running to the well in Genesis 24 that Pastor Amritha preached about last week. And, and uh, you know, he runs to meet this guy who wants to pursue his daughter. And just a side note, please pray for me, because I have a very beautiful three-year-old daughter named Nala. And I don't know what I'm going to do when people start pursuing her. And, and in this story, it says that uh, Laban ran to meet Jacob, And he does the same thing that Jacob did to Rachel. He ran and kissed him. And so I'm thinking when people start pursuing Nala, I'm going to say, anything you do to my daughter, I'm going to do to you. Because that's what Jacob... (laughs) I don't know if that's appropriate. Because (laughs) Jacob kissed Rachel. So then Laban kissed Jacob. I just, I got to protect my daughter. Anybody with any, any protective fathers in the house right now, you will not mess with my daughter. So, so anyways, th- this is what happens in the story. But things start, start to work out. Jacob is emotional. He's, he's talking loud. He's weeping. He's, he's meeting the family. And this is not the point of my message, but a lesson, I don't know if this is the right lesson we should learn here, but the only difference between a successful romance story and a stalker story is success. Because if she would have rejected him, this would have been a stalker story, amen? But because it worked, it's like one of those romantic stories in the Bible. So uh, I do believe in consent, and no means no. So stalkers, don't take liberty with this. If a, if a girl's dropping a hint or saying no, leave her alone. Don't be creepy. Can everybody say, don't be creepy? Don't be creepy. Thank you. Thank you. I've had to confront a few of you in here. So don't be creepy. <laughs> and so I love how Jacob puts himself out there, though, and he, he goes for it. He goes for it. He goes crazy because he's crazy in love. When was the last time you did something radically generous and crazy to express your love for your, your partner, your person? I mean, it's, it's beyond, hey, I married you, didn't I? I said I love you at the altar, didn't I? Uh, trust me, I, I've used that excuse. It never works. Honey, we need to just do something romantic. I married you, didn't I? Uh, what? Yeah, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> You know, in, in our relationship, we've had to, with having two kids, with being pastors of a church, we've had to practically schedule things in our lives that we look forward to. Places with no kids, places with beautiful scenery, maybe renting a cabin, or just getting away so we can feel like humans again. Because if you don't go crazy every once in a while, you'll go crazy. I remember in the heat of the pandemic, it was a really rough time on our marriage, just being vulnerable. 
Uh, my daughter had just been diagnosed with autism after our son had been diagnosed with autism. The church was going through all of these changes. There was so much tension in the air in this nation. It felt like I, I couldn't handle it. And with that final diagnosis of autism, I, I had like a mental and emotional breakdown where I said, I don't know if I can be a father anymore. I don't know if I can be a, a husband or a pastor anymore. And it was just, it was really bad. And uh, I'm so thankful for Amritha because she said, we need to plan a getaway. We just need to be humans. We need to bring back the spark of love and life and romance. We need something on the calendar calendar that we are looking forward to. Have you ever felt that way? And so we put it on the calendar and we went on this trip to Bellingham, which is like not that far away, but I, I tell you what, we called that trip as we were on the trip, the trip that saved our marriage. Because we were just able to look at each other. You remember that? We're able to have some deep conversations without any distractions. And it was just this radical act, this radical shift in our schedule. And I, I cherished that trip. And I just want to give a special props to Pastor Amritha because we probably wouldn't be here today if it wouldn't have been for her taking the time to organize all the babysitters and get the car in order and booking hotels and putting things on the calendar and making things happen that are beyond the routine so that there's still a love in our love life and that we're not just co-managers in our household. We're not just running side by side, but we're taking time to look at one another and be 100% there without social media and just simply enjoy the presence of one another. If you don't go crazy every once in a while, you'll go crazy. When was the last time you did something generous in your love life beyond the routine and the rut that we find ourselves in? I want to challenge you. Like, Jacob, sometimes you just need to look at someone, raise your voice, cry, get crazy, do something a little bit goofy just to say, hey, you're important to me, so I planned this trip. Hey, I heard you mention this concert, so I bought you tickets. We're going to go for this. I arranged everything for it. Hey, I bought some tickets for you to do this. Hey, I heard you wanted to do this project, so I bought all the painting supplies, and I cleared our morning so that we could do this little project together. I believe that it could mean the world to someone. How many of you need a little getaway? You're feeling that right now. Even as I preach, everybody's afraid to raise their hand. Nobody <laughs> needs a getaway. When was the last time you went crazy for each other for the sake of life? And so the bottom line is healthy relationships are going to take work in the little things and in these radical big things. But another thing is they're going to require constant repair. Because if a relationship is going to work, it's going to take work. Amen? And so the third lesson I'm seeing in this that I want to share is this. When someone says they are falling out of love, ask what kind of love. Determine if they are falling out of eros, erotic love, phileo, a friendship kind of love, storge, this familial love, family love, agape, this unconditional kind of universal love for all things, pragma, a, a committed love, a love of discipline, or ludus, a playful kind of love. And so I, I hear a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll talk with couples in church life, and they'll say, you know, we just, we just fell out of love during the pandemic, or we've just grown distance, or there's so much tension, and uh, we're just, we're not falling in love, we're not in love anymore. And so I'll just ask, like, what kind of love did you 
fall out of? Because that's it's pretty generic. Do you feel like the, the playfulness is gone? Do you feel like the, the erotic romance is gone? Do you feel like they're not there for the family? They're just not present anymore? This kind of story you love? Uh, and it's helpful to calibrate exactly what's going on so that we're not just using the generic word for love. Because, you know, I, I use the same word for saying I love chalupas as I love my wife. And so I, it would be nice to have a little bit more precision, right, in, in, in what we're actually saying here. You know, guitars, for example, let me illustrate this. This is uh, Luke's guitar. Everybody say thank you for letting me use this guitar. And so this is a guitar, and it needs to be tuned to sound good. Ah. And so it sounds right because it's in tune. And uh, I remember I had a friend. He bought a guitar, didn't know how to play it yet. And so he went to Guitar Center to get it professionally tuned. And then once it was tuned, he glued these knobs so that it would never go out of tune. And guess what? It went out of tune because the strings, they have tension and they'll expand or contract based on the humidity and the heat. And so when he went to play, it didn't sound right. Well, you laugh at him, but you're doing the exact same thing in your relationships. I got married, I had premarital counseling, and now our relationship is okay, and I don't have to do counseling anymore, I don't have to go to seminars, I don't have to read books, I'm gluing this relationship solid. But guess what? Whether you're dating, whether you're in a friendship, whether you're married, relationships need to be tuned up in order to sound right. Can I get a good amen? When was the last time you assessed and calibrated your important relationships so that you could get back in tune? My relationship is a little bit tense. Well, loosen up the knob. My relationship feels a little bit distant. Well, tighten up the knob. This is practical advice. If you are going to stay in love, you have to operate by choice what you receive by chance. If your relationship is going to work, you're going to have to work. If the grass is greener on the other side, you know what time it is? It's time to water your own grass. I'm not going to smash this guitar. I am tempted. I am tempted. Oh, boy. Pray for that. And so in the early days of our relationship, hey, honey, I feel a little bit of tension. I feel like you're a little bit of distance. And so we calibrate, and we, we bridge that gap, and we repair. But as the years go on, what happens? We just ignore the other person until the feelings of tension disappear, and we hope that we just forget what we were fighting about in the first place. But if your relationship is going to last over the years, you got to constantly calibrate. You can't just glue these things in place. You got to adjust in the morning, adjust at night. And it's this constant repair and calibration. And even as I experienced my breakdown, we went on this trip, and Amrita's like, honey, you need to get in therapy. We need to get in counseling individually and as a couple. And, and to be honest, I've never really been against therapy or professional counseling, but I, I, I was dragging my feet. There wasn't an urgency 
in me, but Amritha, she, she brought that urgency. She said, we really need to do this. We really need to do this. And so for almost two years now, we've been in weekly couples therapy where we're constantly bringing our issues. And, and with a third party, she's saying, well, I, I think you need to adjust this. Or this is what, what's happening. These are the patterns you picked up in your family. This is some repair you need to make here. This is how you're coming across. These are the words you're saying, but this is what he's hearing. And it's in this constant repair weekly. Man, I, I feel, to be honest, we've never understood each other more than we do right now. And I thank the Lord for that. But some of us in this room, when was the last time we had repair? Have we lost the small things in our life? Have we avoided going after the, the big romantic gestures in our life? Have we avoided the, the repairs and the distance and the tension that we're facing every day? If so, I, I want to challenge you to learn from these scriptures, to look at your person and say, I believe that we can recover the spark and the love that we've lost. Do you believe that? I believe that we can recover this because, you know, I don't have a love that's just dependent on me. It's because this is the love of our Father. For God so loved all of us that he, he showed up in all the small things. He has all the hairs on my head counted. He, he showed up in the big ways. He died on the cross, absorbed all of the pain and the distance and the isolation of the world upon himself. And he's constantly leading us and repairing us and restoring us. And his mercies are new every single morning. And our relationship can succeed because God first loved me. And now I can pour out that kind of love in this relationship. I mean, that's why it's important that we are connected to God so that we can truly follow his example and connect with one another. Why don't we close our eyes right now and bow our heads. If you're in this place and you need that, that spark, that feeling state of love to be restored, maybe you've lost one of these Greek love words in your life, whether it's a playful love or a committed love or a romantic love. Maybe you're here and you're, you're single or single again and you're trying to figure out good habits to, to build or maybe you're, 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 you have a calling to be single forever and you, you feel like, I, I just need to develop these habits in my friendships or in the, the special people to me. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over all of us for healing and restoration and life to enter into all of our relationships. So Lord, I, I just thank you for everybody here and I pray that you would bring love and romance back. That just like Jacob worked for Rachel, I pray that you would teach us to work for our relationships. That over the years, whether it's seven years, shorter or longer, I pray that we would be consistent. But I pray that we would also be intense. I pray that you would help us to repair what's been broken, whether there's tension or distance, Lord. I pray that you would help us in all of our relationships. I pray that you would bring hope and life again. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.com. 
shirts. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.